You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with John. What's up, man? John, please enlighten me and the audience a little bit about yourself. So, a little bit about me. Well, I am currently in the Marine Corps. Um, I've been in the Marine Corps for, oh God, 18 years almost. And um, I'm about to uh, retire here in a few years and move on to greener pastures. Um, That's the day job, though. what my passion is, is, is movies, is film. Um, I actually teach, uh, I live in Maryland and I teach people for a living how to film and how to take photographs for the military. And, uh, it's, it's great. It's brilliant. Um, <clears throat> so like my hobbies are, I have my own podcast called blood, sweat and popcorn where, you know, we, I do something like this. I talk to somebody about whatever movie they want to talk about. And I also write reviews for two websites that have been published on IMDb. And um, <clears throat> I also have a YouTube YouTube channel where I'm currently doing a 2021 film challenge where I watch a different film that I've never seen every day for a year. We're in, so I'm like in weeks, but I will start week seven of that. So it's been not as, it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, so because I'm, I'm touching all types of genres, like I'm not just doing like what you know, but the, the guy action bullshit that we all like to watch, Yeah. but I'm, do, I'm, you know, like this last week, I just watched movies from the 1940s. Um, you know, that, Oh my God, the time period though, as it, watching those compared to now, is it, is it like easier as a film kind of review critic guide? You have to kind of look at that. Like, ah, oh, like I got to watch it to see how far we've advanced for a lot of people. As soon as the dude comes on screen and the words don't match the lips, unless you're watching like a Japanese film, it's a no, no. So it's, it's funny you say that because, um, you look at like the context of when these films were made, like when talking films, uh, talkies is what they used to be called actually. Um, when they first came out in the 1920s and the progression of cinema since then, and, like in January, I did a week of 1930s films, and then next March, I'll do 1950s and, and so on until we, we catch up to present day at the end of the year. Excuse me. Um, and, no, it's funny because, like, uh, you know, you, you listen to how people used to s- talk to each other. And, of course, you know, we all know movies are, are bullshit anyway. You know, di- people don't really talk in real dialogue, like like how you and I are conversing right now. Um, in you films. mean with stage presence like Captain Kirk in Star Trek, where you're like, those are some really long pauses and our ship's about to explode. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's stuff like that. It's um, just, uh, you know, everyone has the everyone came from radio. So everyone has these radio voices like, yeah, see, no, 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 no. And that's how they how they let their voice uh, flow. And it sounds very unnatural, very robotic. Um, when you put it, stack it up to like you're asking about like today's uh, today's films, so it's interesting dichotomy to see how we told stories or how stories were told, and um, the values of morals that were really present then compared to like today. So, for example, like I watched a film this past week from 1940s called Adam's Rib. It was about a married couple 
One was a DA, one was a, 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 a just a normal lawyer, um, and they ended up defending, uh, end up being uh, opponents in court. But they would go home at night and like be a couple, and it was just like, "You're a woman, you don't get to tell me how to live my life." It was like very like very like, "Oh wow, this is how it was back then," and um, so and then I watched some stinkers too. I watched this. Um, I'm a big horror movie fan, like a huge horror movie fan. So I decided, let me watch some of these old horror, these horror classics, right? Like, so I watched the old Dracula, the old Wolfman, and they're they're fine. They're not like amazing, but I gave them the benefit of the doubt from when they were made. And I saw some, I saw one yesterday called "I Walk with a Zombie." Oh my god, the worst movie I've ever seen. It was so. <laughs> well, well, hold bad. on, we gotta understand one thing here. Every movie I ever love people fucking hate i don't know why i mean i can give you probably here's a great example i'm going to toss out a couple of movies and i guarantee you you're going to say those are complete pieces of shit okay you'd be surprised hit me okay so green lantern great movie uh brian reynolds yeah um so you you kind of you kind of teed me up real quick (laughs) you gave me honest about it come on a lot of people don't like it here's the thing i I watched it i I did see it um i'll never i'll never judge a movie i've never seen that's one thing i i do i do not do because i think that's unfair to the film and all the people that worked hard to make it um because i know people don't don't just wake up and i made a movie um but there's definitely a film where i watched it i walked out of the theater uh, back in the day when we could still do that and um, i walked out i'm like i don't really feel like i need to see that again I saw it. Okay, you know Ryan Mills is fun, and here's the thing: it's also it's also about perception. Like, you know, what do you get out of the film? Like, you know, like not you personally, but or you personally, but like, what does anyone get out of the film? If you enjoyed it and you got something out of it, and you and it has a rewatch value to you, and you're like, hell yeah, I love that movie. Then that's all that matters. Um, does you know it doesn't make a million bucks or a billion bucks or not on the top ten list or win a bunch of awards? Who gives a shit? It's your opinion. No one else this fucking matters. Well, like I took I took a little bit of like photography and filming stuff when I was in school doing communication arts where we would make like funny senior videos and remakes and stuff. And you realize how much fucking work goes into that. I mean, even if it's like a horrible movie in society standards or what Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes says that Norbit's like a 3%. Fuck that. Norbit was amazing movie. Eddie Murphy playing all those characters. But like what they're basing it off of and all these types of things. I'm like, I never agree with people's reviews and stuff. It's not like I, I, I see their point. I see why, but like any movie to be terrible where someone writes like a 50 page review of like this movie was complete trash. I'm like, it took, like you said, it took time to make. It's not just like, I'm going to fucking throw this up on the screen and see if people, you know, whatever, like throwing a bunch of pills in someone's mouth, like see what sticks. That's the dosage. No, it's like, I, they took time to make that. It took camera angles. It took a lot of money. It took this. It took that. Yeah, there might be something wrong with it, but to say that it's a horrific piece of trash, I'm like, ah, oh, nah, it's not me. That's you know, and that's and that's okay. Um, and I, I totally agree with you. Like, um, just because like I really like this one movie and you don't uh, take whatever movie doesn't doesn't diminish the value that I I have of it, um, and vice versa. Like. I honestly have never seen Norbit, but also it never attracted me to watch it. So I don't have an opinion. Now, I love Eddie Murphy, you know, and I grew up watching, you know, Beverly Hills Cop trading places like the the classics um, Eddie Murphy was in. And he's had a few fun ones since then. But, um, you know, it's sometimes you, you can kind of like have a feeling about a film like, will I enjoy this when I watch it? And 
you know, sometimes your gut reactions are right. Sometimes I've been proven wrong. Films totally just put me in my place before, and that's okay too. Um, I think sometimes I just, you just see the title of a movie and you go into it, and then you get surprised about what it's about. Like I went with my grandparents when when the movie Death at a Funeral. You ever seen that one? Oh yeah. When that when that came out in theaters, I went with my sixty year old grandparents, and I thought it was going to be like, hey. You know, Danny Donald Glover's it. What are Danny Glover's in it? It's gonna be an amazing old time movie. Like, uh, it's got uh, Tracy Morgan in it, and it's gonna be funny. I was like, my grandma loves comedies. I go in there, and it is not what I expected to. We were the only white people in that theater, but it was that awkward thing where like you would hear a lot of like crazy jokes, like adult jokes, and I'm like 14 at the time, and I'm like. I'm not going to laugh until I hear one of them laugh first. And then first joke, my grandma just starts busting out laughing. I'm like, all right, it's a good movie. Okay. I, I have a, something very similar to that. Like almost like not verbatim, but like very similar. So, um, so the movie American pie, right. Yeah. Um, the, the first <laughs> yeah. one. So that came out in 99. I was 14. And so to get a story from some context, the neighborhood I grew up in in Florida, they just built a new theater. And this was the fall of 99, and they didn't have any new releases like what came out that weekend releases. They had, like, some, the summer hits. So he had, like, The Matrix, um, Austin Powers 2. They had those kinds of – The Sixth Sense, Star Wars, Phantom Menace, stuff I'd already seen already. And so my mom's like, hey, we can go up here. You, The whole shtick was you bring, like, a canned – it was a canned food drive. You bring a thing of canned foods, you get a free ticket to go see a movie from this past summer. So a bunch of my friends say, hey, American Pie, John, American Pie is really funny. You'd really like it. And I, I had no idea what it was about. My mom and I go see American Pie. And in the first scene when he's trying to watch the scrambled porn, his uh, parents walk in. And yeah. it was the same thing for me. Like I was like, uh, it, do, I, do, I, do I show my hand to my mom let her, and let her know that I know what they're talking about? And I did. And, what, but you know. What made matters worse, a lot of my friends from high school were there, and they saw me with my mom. I'm like, hey, guys, this is fucking awkward as shit. And <laughs> <laughs> but, like, w- within the first, you know, 10 minutes, my mom was off out of her seat laughing. So we did walk back to the car when it was over, and she was like, so, John, did you did you know all what they were joking about? And I had to, like, you know, I'm not going to lie to my mom. Like, I, I did. She's like, well... That's you're in high school, I get. You know, she kind of like, kind of like owned to the fact that her boy's growing up, and so nothing else is a good, you know, way to bridge the gap between what she thought I knew, what I actually did know. Yeah. So, (laughs) those moments, though, they add to a movie. Like sometimes you get one. Like I want to ask, what's a really good experience you've had? I've had an awkward experience where um I was at home, and it's a little bit different than being in the theaters. But I. I, I, it was a movie family movie night. I was probably around 15, 14 years old. And it was when the Watchmen came out and it was on on demand. And I was like, well, it's a fucking superhero movie. Who doesn't want to see it? me and my dad went and saw Iron Man. And like the first scene or whatever, when he jumps out of the airplane, is playing shoot the thrill. My dad's losing his shit. Like, this is awesome. And I'm like, right. Like it's no superhero besides Tony Stark was playing ACDC and all that type of shit. So it was a whole different experience. But I saw Watchmen with my family. It was my turn to pick the movie. Fucking five minutes in, you see Dr. Manhattan, naked ass blue dude right in front of the screen. And my brother just looks at me and goes, good job, Robbie. Picked a fucking movie. With... 
you picked a winner. You picked a winner. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad's like, my dad's like, my dad's not, he was on, like, he DJed at night and he radio during the day. So he was rarely home. So those were crucial hours. So if we had, he had to sit and watch a movie, he had to kind of hope it was a swinger that it was like, he enjoys it too. And I picked role models and my dad, like his whole life, it, he was in a kiss tribute band until I was in like my twenties, basically was like, I knew my dad is Peter Chris playing on stage, dressed up in the makeup and all. And they did the kiss thing in the movie. And my dad's like, you fucking got it, buddy. Yes. I love, and I've never seen him get up and I like clap in our house at, over a movie. And I'm like, fucking, I felt like God. I was like, ah, oh, I chose a great movie. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, uh, those movies are fun. Like that, um, that era from like, mid to late 2000s to like, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago when it was like always the same handful of people in all the same movies, the character actors like Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn and the Wilson brothers and uh, what's his name? Stifler and Paul Rudd. And, uh, uh, Sean William Scott. Sean William yeah. Scott. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> it's, it's funny. Like they, they, uh, uh, I, they are, they started this whole thing where I, I called it like unofficially called it self-aware comedy, where it's, like they know they're in a comedy and they like they half the dialogues and commenting on something like, you know, like, oh, like this, Deadpool kind of. This looks like Shrek's piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or whatever. Or the whole scene where he's in the um, oh, the coffee shop. Right. And he's talking about congratulations. You're stupid in three languages or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a while. That was, that was a pretty funny one. I like that one. The kiss my Anthea was the best part about that movie where it made me look at LARPing completely different. I was like, yo, if you actually turn it into something where you would want to, but I like movies that do that. I like, I like fourth wall break movies, but also, you know, it probably you can understand being a film, like you do a podcast on it and everything is like you, when you start breaking out of like your comfort zone of it, like I know so many people like I, my buddy's a big fast and furious fan. I mean, every single one he's dragging me to. And I'm like, the only good one I really liked was Tokyo drift. And he's like, that's their worst fucking one. I'm like, no, it's to me, that's the most realistic. Cause I'm looking at these types of scenarios. Like my checklist is, a dude is moving to a whole nother country around people he doesn't know where he's going to be the minority. And in the real term of things in like this country, he would be the main, he wouldn't be a minority, you know, being white or whatever, but he moved to Japan or moved to Tokyo, whatever. And he was a minority. He was, he, he couldn't fit in with anybody. He was getting bullied. And that was something I was like, I can kind of relate to that. I've been a minority in every job everything i've ever been in in my entire life it was it hit kind of close to home but it was more realistic than i'm seeing the new fast and furious that's coming out that i know my buddy's gonna drag me to and i'm like what's real about it? it's not even about the cars anymore it was about cars in the beginning it's not, it's just about how fucking superheroed up we can get vin diesel like explain to me half this fucking movie he's not superman my buddy's like vin diesel can do anything i'm like he can take he can hit a bridge at a corner take that rope that gets stuck under the tire and fucking and that's in the trailer and swing to catch a jet that doesn't make sense to me it's not realistic he goes yeah but john cena's in it i'm like your your fucking points of rationale are not rationalizing the movie at all it's making it even sound more ridiculous and well that's it's funny you mentioned that though because it's it's all about our individual experiences and what we take away from them you know like you bring up a great franchise I, I I I mean great as in the example, not great as in their great films. Um, 
I've seen a, I've seen a few of the Fast and Furious films. I haven't seen every single one, and I probably never will. Um, there's a desire there. I've seen the first three, and then I saw the one in I think it was part five when they're like they're in Brazil and stuff. And I really like I enjoyed like the action was really fun. Like it was a fun action movie, but like you said, you know the whole Inception being about racing and cars and and stuff like that was kind of like we're not, we're they're, they're past that now. Yeah, and so and they and they have a fan base like the franchise makes money, so they and they they play to their audiences, and you know like your buddy who's really into these movies, you know they like they know they're going into this film or like a Transformers film or whatever, knowing it's not going to be groundbreaking, but it's going to be a way they can numb their brain for two hours, munch some popcorn, and call it a day. Um, but back to your first point about you know being the fish out of water, you know uh, like why you detach yourself to Tokyo Drift so much compared to the others is that yeah like it's it's a way to you know that's the power of film you can connect to Tokyo Drift more because you can see yourself in that situation you've been in that situation that it like you've lived that situation and you know and this ties back to my overall point of not point but my uh the reason why I'm doing this film challenge um people some people ask me like what's like the thesis man what's like what is the what is the catch, you know, like big whoop, you watch a movie every day. Well, the way I see it, I have, I have opinion about what art is and art as a concept can be anything. Cooking is art, right? Painting, yeah. painting a, a wall is art. So I think about like non abstract, um, art ideas. I think about what most people, when you say the word art, what comes to mind, you think about like dancing and writing literature and, painting and all these things right music and to me film is the perfect storm of all the those ingredients because every every film has to have all you know writing the acting so the the theater going back to the theater you know lighting cinematography all these technical components are thrown in so it's all all of it is in film and my opinion is that art film is the highest form of art that entertains us. It makes us think. It makes us ponder and reflect. So, yeah, I'm getting to my point. <laughs> so, this film challenge is really, you know, how do I make myself a better person knowing that this is what I'm into? Like, this is my passion is film. And by by going back and mining through these old decades or these different genres, like this week I'm starting foreign films. Like, actually, I really love foreign films, but I definitely just a whole plethora I've never seen. And, you know, what, what is, what is, what are films? It's storytelling and it's lessons and it's, it's morals. And it's how do we, how do like how, how you see yourself in Tokyo drift? You know, that's as, as that's, that's nothing that's not important. That's something that's very crucial because, you know, you, you grow your empathy with that character because you can feel that what that character is going through. And so the whole point is, in this film challenge, if I can watch all these different films and really cover a broad canvas of what cinema has done and how it's developed and what it's shown the world in all, all this time, then that will ultimately make me a better person, and I can share that with everyone else. So that's also why I'm doing the YouTube part of it as well, so I can share my thoughts on, you know, you know why it's important to me why i think it could be important to other people so 
Yeah, because you'll come across like some podcasts that do like a movie review or do whatever. And all they fucking do is critique the movie like it's shit. They should have did this. They did that. Oh, I'm seeing fucking this and this and this. And I'm like, I get it with Bird Box. That movie, horrific. Only because the first 10 minutes I was enjoying it. But I, I had to rewatch it again because I had somebody on this podcast whose buddy wrote the book and actually got the movie deal for it. And I was talking shit on it to him. And he was like, hey, that's my buddy. And I'm like, fuck, I can't use that example anymore. Um, but I, it's that first 10 minutes, it really got me. But it's so hard for me to get past like a certain actor. Like for me, Sarah, um, what's her name? Sandra Bullock, dude. Not fucking happening. Not happening with Jerry Seinfeld. There's just two actors I just can't can't deal with. But when you look at a film and like to break yourself out of the zone, like when I was a kid, if you would have been like, hey, date night with Steve Carell's on, I'm like, fuck that. But I'll look at it now because I'm like, you everybody gets something out of this. So I want to see what that aspect of what people get out of this. I like it when it's not too fantasized up like Fast and Furious. I stopped maybe six like that was where the belief for me was like no thank you only because like when he ran that car into Jason Statham's car and they both get out you see him like hurt and I'm like oh I know what that feels like you ever hit your back really hard and you're like oh fuck like there's that he captured that but then the rest of it's just like okay we're in a plane now and now we're skydiving with no parachutes but i'm gonna get into this car and hopefully the car lands and then it won't explode or anything like that like it just started getting so like mission impossible with tom cruise where i'm like it's supposed to be a car movie like i can't really buy into it now but then also there are a few movies out there that have literally affected a general population. I think everyone works off a template when it comes to most movies nowadays, like Marvel films kind of go off like a little bit of the comics, but more like the same kind of template, you know, war movies, same type of thing, unless they change it up with adding aliens in it. But you look at um, Avatar, that movie is the really only movie that has impacted people in such a way that has caused a severe amount of depression because people saw this new planet that they were coming to and they saw what happens when human life hits it completely ravaging the planet where there were a lot of people that were really depressed over it that were just like going into and people fight the argument star wars too and i'm like star wars that has an impact in culture sure but not to depression where someone's like people just ruin fucking everything. And you come out of the movie holding your fucking head, like what's wrong with the world. And I'm like, that to me is, I believe things that all movies hold are something that somebody can pull out of that. And I want to find out what that is for each person. That's why I like hearing individual experiences like yourselves when they're doing a podcast about it, because I like hearing, you know, why are you watching this? What are you seeing this? What are the perspectives you can see that aren't your own? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, avatar, that's an interesting uh, example. You know, basically it's Fern Gully on crack, right? It's, you know, if you've seen Vernon Gully, you've seen Avatar. But, um, um, you know, I've never really read the reports about people walking away from Avatar feeling depressed. Um, I can certainly understand that, um, you know, because Avatar is not a very happy film. You know, it, it looks beautiful. It's really well done. Definitely kudos to the to James Cameron and his crew that made the film. Um, and I, I know it made like a all the money, you know, it, it wasn't until this last Avengers came out that it was sitting high and high and mighty atop the box office records. Uh, um, but yeah, sometimes it's just, it takes, you know, almost cataclysmic events, like, you know, not cataclysmic, I guess, but like 
events where we really see how shitty we are as human beings. And we see it in the context of a story where it's like, wow, we would do some bullshit like that, wouldn't we? And <laughs> and so you walk away like, you know, are we really the bad guys in our own in our own story? Like, are we really that those kinds of people? And but th- that's the point of it. It's it gets you talking, gets you thinking. You know, like, and if it helps one person like make a better decision, or you know, if for themselves or or for the society as whole as a whole, then that was a chore to get out. Then you know, it, it's going to be worth worth all the time to go see it and you know, all the time that they spent making it. Um, I think it's very important to us as a species that we do have these windows to look through and see, you know, how we're doing. Like, let's just check in, see how the human population responds to stories about, you know, genocide or moving in and to a, a foreign place and just to take over its resources because fuck you, we can. Yeah. Like, you know, it's I don't know. <laughs> do, you, do you have any movies that have like I would say that you have a theory that might be possible like anything you've seen where it's like oh this is completely where society could head because i kind of have that with like i am legend um my theory i've been saying as a joke um was like if they make a vaccine for something then people take it i'm just gonna wait six months so i'm not fucking turning into i am legend where i'm afraid of the sunlight and uh it seems like that's becoming a possibility so i'm just like hey you know i am legend come on russian something or the happening where like the plants in on the earth just are like fuck this i'm gonna kill all of you i'm like that makes more sense like there was an idea in our government history about plant perception so i'm like fucking maybe plant just get to the point where they're like why are we changing our leaves so insects will stop eating us when we can just fucking kill all humans by releasing a pheromone that's a possibility yeah i um i have some feelings about the happening like like (laughs) don't hate it come on no 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 hang on hang on i I wasn't gonna say i hated it um i appreciate i appreciate what it was trying to do completely i completely like i get the movie um Again, it wasn't like it doesn't have a lot of replay value for me, so I'm not going to run back to it anytime soon, probably ever, if I'm being honest. Um, but like, I like I get the intent behind it, and I get the got the message behind it, and like the I am legend thing. Like, you know, I love my, I love science fiction, um, of all shapes and sizes. Just just mad rabbit fan about science fiction. Um, I actually have a blockbuster shirt on right now. That's how much I like movies. But um, where did they go? There's one left in Alaska. Oregon or Alaska. Yeah, Alaska. Alaska that's right. Um, there was one in Oregon recently too, but they also shut down, unfortunately. Um, what was I getting at? Oh, yeah. Um, so Cross science yourself. fiction. Cross <laughs> 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 um, uh, you know, it, it's it's funny to entertain like movies like um, I Am Legend, and which really is a uh, an homage to his older film, Starting Charlton Heston called the Omega Man, which came out, God, in the sixties. Like the Sim- like the Simpsons made a parody of the Omega Man, called it the Omega Man because Homer. And you know, it's one guy left. The rest of the civilization is creatures or what have you. And you know, it's like interesting to again, what would really happen? Like you know, you know, everyone's gone. What happens to our infrastructure around us? Plants come back. You know, stuff starts to crumble. You know, and, you know, I, I get the whole, um, you don't want to be the alpha wave of, of test be- test bunnies for this new vaccination because we just don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. So, 
you know, playing it safe, kicking the can down the road to try it out later after you see a few people go through, see what see what the side effects, or if any, crop up to be. And, you know, it, sci-fi is fun at playing into our fears, into our hopes, because, you know, sci-fi is taking, like, exploration and taking, um, you know, our imagination somewhere where right now we, we can't get to. And then, you know, but we it's so funny, we have, like, in the, our current situation in the world, um, with you know obviously the pandemic and the rolling out of the vaccinations, you know this whole narrative has been explored in science fiction for decades, and so some people are like, we've been waiting for this for <laughs> for a very long time. Yeah, and I still I still have plenty of plenty of friends who're like they're still like itching, like polishing their weapons, waiting for the zombie apocalypse to start. Like they're like anxiously. I, yeah. I think they're just kind of humoring me, but I think like deep down they're like they're really like I kind of want this to happen. I'm like, no, you See, don't. <laughs> you I, really I, don't. I was that person for the longest time where I was like, I would love us. I was when Walking Dead was like on their second season. I was like, fucking, if this was real, I would, I would love this. No, no fucking bullshit to deal with every day. But then I had a really intense dream one time, and it was like, no fucking way. If I was going to put myself in any movie, I'd be the fourth person dead. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to make it all the way to the ending. But I, that, the dream was so intense to me. I remember I had a podcast with a guy who talked about The Walking Dead as his podcast. And I was like, everybody's got a plan for the zombie apocalypse. What's your plan? Dude, he gave me this full-on speech for 30 minutes. Then I just go, what happens if they aren't the zombies that you're planning to be zombies? He's like, what? I'm like, left for dead zombies. You got one with the giant fucking arm and you got all these other ones that are have all these crazy mutant powers. Zombieland 2 was about that. You know, they evolved to T8, whatever the hell they were off Terminator. You know, they could dodge bullets and shit. I'm like, imagine if it's those type of zombies, then your whole plan changes. You're, what happens if they can swim? Like you're fucked. There's no. And then he just his melt his face shattered. And I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't didn't mean to do that. But like, there's a what you mentioned about like plants kind of coming back and like you know you see like as like mankind's like hand kind of gets pulled down a little bit and plants start to regrow, things start to kind of revert back to the original state of things. That just happened recently with Hawaii. Um, Tulsi Gabbard, I was listening to a podcast with her on Joe Rogan, and she is from the state of Hawaii, but she was talking about how 10 months of being locked down inside of your house has been amazing for the oceans down there. The coral starting to grow back. And from someone that's been to Hawaii a couple of times, the biggest fear down there was tourism because people would just stand on top of this coral and it breaks off and dies. And then sooner or later it gets pushed back. So, I mean, there's a place called uh, Hanama Bay. It's a fish reserve. I went there when I was 14. Then I went back when I was like 19, completely different in those five years. I mean, when I first went there, the coral it was right to your feet. You could go right into the water. There's coral. You can see all these wonderful little plant fish life. Next time I went five years later, it was so far back. You had to swim them. It's like half a mile out just to be able to fucking see the fish because they all got pushed back from people just crushing and breaking and mankind coming in and kind of taking this fish reserve back piece by piece by piece. And after 10 months of being locked down in Hawaii, they started seeing all the fish start to come back and the regrowth of coral. And I'm like, it's not fucking it's horrible that it took this to bring that to happen. But it's amazing to hear that, like life will you know come back you know once we start there are certain things that key factors that came into our heads where it's like hey maybe we should slow down on certain things and see the regrowth of things and we might be able to like kind of restart i would say 
Yeah, I um, it's interesting. Like, you, you know, I never, I didn't hear about that about how like the coal was receding in Hawaii and how it's you know making its its, its way back up. That's that's brilliant. That's that's amazing. Um, when uh, gosh, it must have been like last May or June. You know, after a few months of when we all really had to had to uh, settle down with all, this whole lockdown thing, um, like the smog emissions were were dropping, um, like the 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 air started to get more pure. Um, especially in more heavier, uh, heavier populated areas like Southern California, um, <clears throat> but some of the indexes were reading that like you know the purity in the air was improving. Um, that's because people were just like shut in, and it was like lack uh, our our lack of a footprint was in a, just in a, in a few months had made such a difference. Bad for the economy, good for the environment. Is what I mean, the saying was you know. <sighs> It, it it would be interesting to think like what would have happened if I I, I mean I'm not trying to like turn this into a whole pandemic thing but like what what would have you know if we really like the, the game was like eight weeks to prepare for a complete two week I mean everything is shut for two weeks but they have eight weeks to prepare rather you know deal with people in hospitals deal with people in prisons deal with people who can't just, can't help themselves get all that stuff figured out resources schedules whatever. A, on this day, we're going in and we're not coming out for 15 days. Fuck you, and you know just to stamp out everything. You know it would it would be interesting to see what this this those 15 days what would have um, the environment would have looked like um, with like I'm thinking mean zero zero imprint from any human. Um, would that would that ever have happened? Probably not because that's almost as a pipe dream, honestly. But yeah, it's, it's just cool. interesting to think about. You know. Like you're saying, like the, with the coral and with the air, like, you know, we suck sometimes as people because we're fucking everywhere. So you're going to say something? It's Sorry. A, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy because, like, you look at, like, everyone's talking about, like, we're about to touch down on Mars. We're about to, like, can't wait till we colonize on there. It's like, yeah, colonizing on another planet would be like if everyone left and then it was just like you had maybe left a few people down here on Earth or whatever – you get to see the whole plant maybe regrow and try and fix itself for a lot of things. I watched a documentary on Bill Nye's new show. Fucking fantastic, man. That thing, it aged with me. I love that because watching him as a kid was like, the more you know. And then he's like, hey. And he sets a globe on fire. He's like, we're fucking up the earth. He goes, I taught you when you were kids. Now you're adults. And I'm like, oh, he aged with me. I love that. But when he was showing like there were parks and there were all these things that were like overgrown with them that hadn't been touched in like 10, 15 years after like horrible accidents where people just had to leave town because it was just so bad they couldn't live there anymore. You saw these metal playgrounds that were covered in moss and vines and all these things. And he goes, when humans are gone, this earth, there will still be these marks of us here like obelisk or whatever the hell. But plant life will grow again the earth will try and bring itself back to a state and i'm like that's where everybody's thinking like maybe if we leave this planet the earth will grow back i'm not an environmentalist it's a good fucking movie pitch but at the same time like there's gonna be those people like myself that are like hey we're not the only fucking people in the galaxy in the solar system so we go to mars i don't want to be like prometheus where fucking some dude comes back and he's got black eyes and you're like Hey man, what's wrong with your uh your eyes, man? He's like, oh, I touched some mud when I was on Mars, and now and he just fucking explodes and goes all over the place. Next thing you know, everybody's fucking zombies or all this type of shit. I'm like, I'm just saying, we have movies for a reason. The reason why they give us so many alien movies is the theory is one day when we do discover, like with the COVID bill that just passed, that aliens are real, or we do have identified on. Un- 
flying objects, whatever the hell it is, that we would be normalized by all the aliens we see on movies that maybe if we do encounter aliens, we won't shit our pants on the concept of hopefully it's the small little guys where we could like drop kick them or something, not the big fucking things from the movie alien that impregnates you and rip out of your chest in like a month. That's fucking horrible. You know, it's, it's all it really is. is just having respect for stuff. That's not yours. Yes. <laughs> like, like if you go to another planet, you see something that's living, don't take your stick and fucking poke at it. Like, 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 look at it from <laughs> far away, admire movie. it, take, take your little fucking photographs and fucking bounce, man. Like, <laughs> like there's, how many examples have we seen where this does not play out well? Like all of them. Like what? Do you, what do you mean? So it's like the Simpsons movie where they see the squirrel and he's like ja- starts jabbing the eyes. He goes, jab, "Hey, jab, jab, jab one jab. more eye. It's a it's a federal offense." Yeah, I'd like. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Freaking, oh, um, but it's crazy to see those perspectives too. And another perspective that really hit me and it kind of relates to Hawaii a little bit. I went to uh, Pearl Harbor, the museum that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know the the, the What's not a reserve? It's the, a fucking, the Arizona that's still there. It's a memorial, yeah. Um, and it we're that's really close to Japan or whatever. Uh, I forget. I think it's Japan, right? Um, that's closer to them than it is, I guess, where I would be on the East Coast. Um, when I was over there, there were a heavy population of Asian people and we're on a memorial for Pearl Harbor. And you just saw all the Americans get so tense and so pissed because to them, it wasn't something that was so impactful to them. Like I was with my grandfather and my grandfather was like, I can't believe this shit. And I'm like, what? And he goes, they're taking selfies in front of the names of the people that are gone on the wall. Like, and they're acting like it's a fucking playground. And I'm like, it's also the perspective of, they it doesn't hit them like it does us it's not their history it's our history we are people and it is our shared history but for americans it hits really really hard with us so when we make a movie about bombing them like hiroshima or something my grandpa's like fuck yeah and i'm like dude like you understand that's their hell that's their nightmare they see that movie and they think that's the most horrific thing possible but it's a war movie for us we're like fuck yeah it's like lone survivor you're not fighting the side of the terrorists. You're fighting the side of like, holy shit, this dude just fell down a fucking mountain and bashes. He he fell for like 45 fucking minutes. Like I was watching that, that, that movie, and it's just like American Sniper too. There were a heavy amount of people that increased in joining the military after those movies. Just on the concept of that movie made you fucking a pride for your country where you wanted to st- in the beginning. Of I will American disagree Sniper, with you on that one. What? I was a recruiter for the Marine Corps. It didn't increase? No, uh, it it really did not do that. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm about to say, I had two friends that joined the military right after that movie, so that's what I I was basing it on. I'm not saying it, it, you know, in my experience, that, that, and I I recruited in the South. Like, you know, and so, like, what do we think about the South? Oh, they're patriotic, and they're, they love the military. You'll be surprised how many people in the South are like, fuck you, my kid's not joining get the fuck out of here um it could be because I, I recruited for the marines it could have been a whole number of factors um i'm not going to say that i know that those movies had didn't have the, an impact on recruiting i'm sure they did um top gun did back in the 80s everyone wanted to join the fucking navy because you know tom cruise was getting laid flying jets like i get it it's a great sales the air pitch. force but um no he was in the navy in that film then why were there planes in the movie navy pilots yeah on the on the navy fucking battleship what 
I thought they were on seas, not on. I think that's Air Force. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I haven't seen Top Gun. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, no, there, there's pilots in every branch of service. Well, <laughs> that's a fucking more you know popping up right on top there you of go. the head right there. <laughs> but no. I, when I was watching American Sniper, I was like, fucking yeah. Like I felt like this. I mean, for a good day and a half, I was fucking like, I'm going to join the military. I want to fight for my country. I want to do what's right because these are these are American badasses. So when I that, just comparing that to how you would feel like you got to look at all types of movies, like even with Wolverine, um, that one, the one where he went to Japan and the dude like, you know, got him later and was like, I can make you human or I can make you mortal where you can die and stuff. But when he was they set back when they dropped the bombs and everything, you get to see Wolverine jump in and like you see all these people's like eyes just go like oh my God, it's all over with. And then they all just started sitting on their knees and they took a sword and stabbed themselves. And then the one Wolverine saved the one dude's life, threw him in the well and then held that thing up and while the bombs hit and melted all his skin off and saved that dude's life. That rationalized to me of like, oh my God, there's a perspective of shit we're not seeing. And like seeing that movie, a lot of people are like, that's yeah, like my grandpa was like, that's, that's when we fucking won. And I was like, I'm looking at it differently, man. Like I, I see that, you know how horrible, even though that had to be like, we consider, and being a military guy yourself, you can probably understand like in war, we consider those like the enemies. But if you ever talk to someone who's fought in the war, like I'll talk to my grandpa or talk to someone like at a military base or a friend of mine that's in the military. He's like, yeah, we went over there and killed the enemy. But they don't talk about it. It's not like. No, uh, like I, yeah. I, I've been deployed twice. I deployed in 05 and I deployed in 07 to Iraq. And like <clears throat> I'm not saying I'd like to to boast or to beat my chest or anything. That's just yeah. I didn't have a choice. I had I, I joined and I had to go. So um, which is circumstances. But. Um, most people that go to war of any kind and come back, if they really did anything, they don't want to talk about it. Um, just trauma, you know, we can, we can cover up our trauma by saying we're manly men and we did the right thing. We're courageous, but trauma still hits. Trauma still hurts and trauma's not easy. So it's, you know, and it's all about perspective. You're right. Like cultural perspective, um, how Americans see war how they see war films, you know, um, it's very American. Like we, we, how many war films, you know, I'm just going to throw this rhetorical question out there. How many war films have you seen where America is not, is, is like the bad guy? Probably never. Right. No. Um, you know, and you think about what our history says, I'm not saying America is the bad guy. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying, but it's about perspective and like films that came out, like Lone Survivor, American Sniper, uh, what else? Stuff that came out that involved the uh, war in Iraq, war in Afghanistan. I really can't really watch. Not that it's like, oh, it's hard for me, and I was over there. It's like one, it's they're always grossly inaccurate. Yeah. Um, like horribly. Like, but that's because that's I'm corrupted by my own experiences. Like I know what I'm looking at. You know, to a casual moviegoer, none the wiser. They're there for a good time, and, and it's all good. And, and that's and I'm fine with that. Um, so like, like I watched American Sniper, I'll never watch it again. Um, I watched, uh, the only, the only, there's only one contemporary war, uh, story that I liked, I saw, and that was Generation Kill. That was, uh, I don't know if you saw that, it came out on HBO, it was, it was a seven part miniseries about the Marines that went into, that invaded Iraq in 03. And I watch, I like that because it is, <clears throat> excuse me, it is today the most accurate depiction of contemporary military life 
and I really tied into it because I, you know, Marine also. So all the lingo, like, okay, that's what I would say too. That's what I've heard say. That's what is said. Um, and I appreciate that generation. I'm sorry, excuse me. Lone Survivor and uh, American Sniper were based on nonfiction books by nonfiction people, real people. Um, what Marcus Luttrell and uh, Chris Kyle. Yeah. Um, but it's. I like that it shows that aspect of things where I like, I feel like it started a lot with the movie Split. Um, stick with me. It's going to be a long walk for a short drink of water. But it started showing mental health in a way where like PTSD was something I probably will. I mean, I, I get that with it. I was killed by a jet ski. So I get fucking PTSD when a jet ski comes at me. That's a lot different than bullets flying and sounds going off and explosions and pops and all these things. But I was able to understand that a little bit more, that empathy factor from fucking watching The Ranch with fucking Ashton Kutcher when they had uh, Dak Shepard in and the pots and pans and alarm screams start going off because they were cooking something on breakfast and something was burning. He ran out of the house holding his head like that. And I'm like, oh my God, like imagine that. Like I wish movies would amplify that factor of things. And same thing with Split, the multiple personalities, that type of thing. Something a lot of people, if you say like he has schizophrenia, he has PTSD, people just go, oh, like it, they, there's the stigma to it, but they don't know exactly what that's like. And I feel like having representations in movies that are so closely depicted to what those are like are going to help empathize a lot more with people like invisible illness. Nobody ever talks about those. I, I hear more people like, oh, you lost an arm. It's like, oh, okay. I feel sorry. So sorry that you lost an arm. And it's like, you feel the empathy from that. But someone says they have like, uh, fibromyalgia or they have something like um i don't know something serious like um ms like anything like ms or you know something like that where like their body shakes their body's in pain and it's just that experience i never knew what that was like until i did have an invisible illness where like i had a severe like intestinal issue where i wasn't going to the bathroom for months on end so like i lost my strength i lost all this type of stuff i completely reverted from the person I used to be. And it was like, I fucking get it now. If you hit your back really fucking hard and you have that, like that, that like, I can't lift anything above my head or my fucking arms or whatever, because, and it made me have a different look at wrestling WWE fucking listening to the undertaker on Joe Rogan. Talk about how he's had three eye surgeries. He's got fiber mesh under his eye from when he's been kicked in the face by Ray Mysterio, where he can't even see straight out of one eye. It's fucking three things at once. Hearing that, I have a respect for wrestling. Hearing stories like those, I think making actual representations of movie like those, even though that might be hard and might not be the explosion, Fast and Furious bullshit everybody wants to see, it's something I feel that's needed because that'll put a big fucking more of an empathy factor in your life when you're talking to people that might suffer from something like that. You know what I mean? I do. And you you bring up a good point because for, for many years, like the, the more the, – the bigger um, – We'll, we'll call them the blockbusters. Um, it's been war films that, or you know, stuff like that, or, or, or like law enforcement f- procedurals that have like the monopoly on PTSD problems. And people like yourself um, who draw their PTSD from unrelated issues, um, you don't really see that you know, as often. Again, in my film journey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it all ties back to this. <laughs> okay. um, I'm just making a joke, but... um. It's it, those stories are out there. Those stories that that you want to see, that you that everyone should see as as part of 
equally representing the stigma or not, or or um, shutting down the stigma rather and, and representing people who have multiple mental illness factors um, that are out there. They're just not as as well funded. Um, they're not as as produced or distributed as heavily as you know the bigger films because the bigger films they put butts in seats typically. So you know there's also that business side of films that you know kind of has a, sh- a stranglehold on certain narratives that we feel we should see more of. And it's just it's no one's fault really. It's just kind of how the the music movie industry kind of organically grew into being. Hey, what made money? Well, let's make more of those fucking things. You yeah. know? Oh, you oh you like importantly. Uh, before I joined the military, I got into a car wreck. Um, actually, up here in Maryland, I was visiting family. I have family all from around here. And I went back to Florida like a week later. Um, and I was with a, a girl, a friend of mine, and we were leaving the theater, got into another car wreck. She was driving that time. And I just, I froze up. I, I was like, what am I feeling? And I, I, I must have been like 15 or something at the time. But like, it wasn't until years later, I'm like, God, that was like PTSD. Like I was having a flashback and it was it was absolutely like terrifying like it fucking sucked so but like stuff that you've experienced and that you've endured and witnessed you know are valid things that should you know i'm sure you're you're definitely not the only person on this planet to have dealt with those those things so it's it's very important that we have that representation across you know other films that you know can definitely speak to you know and reason why that's important i feel is if we see those things, maybe there would be more funding or more respect or more yeah. call to action to get people like yourself and anyone taken care of. I don't mind if it's Hollywooded up, like if they Hollywood up a mental illness, if they can make it interesting for people to want to go search up what that actually is. But I believe a lot of it should have true, accurate representation. Like, I mean, if they make a 9-11 movie, I don't want them to Hollywood it up. I want them to be as strict and clear-cut as they possibly can to really capture the essence of a scenario like they did with the Pearl Harbor movie. They did Hollywood it up a lot, but it still captured the overall tone where it left you kind of watching the screen. Like, even in, we had to watch it in school every single time it was Pearl Harbor Day. And it was like, for that three-hour or whatever hell movie it feels like nobody talks nobody whispers nobody murmurs nobody does these things like you'll see that even with the fucking blind side as much as i hate sandra bullock it is a fucking heartfelt movie about a kid that you know lived on the streets and you know got picked up by a rich family then taken care of and he got to see his whole life change and and eventually get shout out to the ravens um you know got got on the team as the ravens but it was this whole aspect of like i like seeing that I like an underdog type thing, but I also like capturing the actual representation of a lot of things that people don't really get to experience, not maybe good thing that you don't get to experience that, but you should have more of a sense of empathy, which I feel like gets lost in a lot of movies. Like so many people don't like when Mark Wahlberg played in the new transformers or whatever. And I'm like, fucking, I enjoyed it. Cause you get to see an actual, like, feel like a feeling of a guy that's trying to save his daughter from you know doesn't want anything bad to happen to her you know also has to learn to let go a little bit too marley and me that was the biggest one where people are like oh my god because everybody's lost a fucking dog so it's like everyone like starts crying you get to see that emotional age i like movies that do that i know i like i've been going breaking out of my comfort zone to try and understand like i'm not a parent but i try and watch parent movies to try and capture what that's like trying to get the feeling of like, oh, I can see you've raised something for so long. You have to watch it leave you and stuff. But 
And why do you? Are, I want to ask you that question before we leave it. Why is that important to you? Why do you, Why do you feel like that's something you should do? Because I feel like so many people live inside of their own perspective. I've done it for so long, but after talking to so many people and hearing so many different thoughts and perspectives, I'm like, I you do yourself a disservice when you don't try and break out of your own mindset. I would say, I mean, not like this whole like impact fucking Gary V not Gary V and anybody here for the love of God. That dude isn't in my opinion, crazy. Um, But in the concept of like, your world is your world, but there's so much more others out there than that. Like talking to people from so many different countries, I'm starting to realize everything I've been built up in my head is this is the thing. It's not in the eyes of somebody else. And I think that's like prime importance when you take that into anything, take that into going to the store, take that into watching a movie, taking that into listening to a song. I mean, um, I, I just, to me that it enhances my perspective. Like when I listen to a song, I go, you know, my parents work radio, so I've heard everything under the sun. So if I hear a new rap techno thing where people are like, that, that's trash, I like classic rock. And I'm like, it's not trash. Um, it's definitely doesn't have the impact to me as I want it to do, but it has an impact to someone out there that's listening to it. So it's got to have something. I mean, I could pull something out of Ashes by Celine Dion. Jesus, I'm on a Celine Dion kick. When I heard that in Deadpool 2, I started listening to the song. I was like fuck you can hear like the sadness in the voice and that's just not because she's talented but it's like trying to break out of your comfort zone i'll listen to reggae music all day but then breaking into celine dion it's like it's a big shift but i can capture what that emotion is that she's given off in that which you can do in film i uh i kind of wanted to ask you um you because you mentioned your dad and now you mentioned both your parents were working in radio um how has that like influenced your your musical palette, your, your tastes, you know? And the reason why I asked that is like, cause um, one, I'm a hypocrite because this is, what, <laughs> this is what I mean by that. When I ask someone, Hey, what do you listen to? And they say everything I get infuriated because they're like, no, you're full of shit. No one listens to everything. But then when they ask me, I'm like, I listen to everything. Cause I actually do listen to everything. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, um, so yeah, I was, you know, I, it must've been a really interesting experience for someone who has both parents, you know, uh, around music all the fucking time, you know, I'm sure that, how has that molded you, you in your, in your taste in, in music? First of all, who's asking the questions here? No, um, more like, um, hey man, just having a conversation here, bud. <laughs> got it. Thank you. Uh, it is a, like for so long. I mean, I grew up, my dad was in a Kiss tribute band. I knew my dad is Peter Chris. So yeah, yeah, fucking, yeah. that sure. was just, I, I kiss was something you had to know, but then, I mean, my dad's went from radio station to radio station to now he owns his own and it's country music. So the past 20 something years of my life has been fucking rock and roll metal, anything classics. But then I wanted to figure out what my own comfort zone was. My brother got me into chili peppers, got me into th my grandparents, got my brother into 311. Like I started listening to reggae music constantly going to concerts. That's what I really enjoyed. But then playing fallout Four, playing fallout games, you start getting into the old classics, Frank Sinatra stuff. That's on the radio in that game started going to record stores and going in. I have an ink spots record. I always look at That's when you see me looking off in the distance. I'm usually looking at that or my fucking Vincent van Gogh painting. I have that's sitting on the fucking floor. Cause I have posters up everywhere. But when I'm like, when I'm looking at music, I always give it a play. Even if I don't, I listen to the new stuff, whatever you want to say, old town road, you want to say better now post Malone 
Sunflower, that song, a lot of people like, got me through some shit when I was dealing with, I had a, during September, I had three friends that died in a matter of two weeks. So I was like fucking, look, I was looking for something to listen to. And Sunflower was on the radio, High Hopes by Panic at the Disco was just popping at the time. So they connected with me where I was like, fuck, and you can get that with anything. I mean, Megadeth. Alice in Chains, anything I can go fucking all the way to rap, reggae, inner circle, whatever the hell, because I've been around it so much that it's just, it's something where I'm like, oh my God, it might not be my flavor, but it's a flavor and trying to understand why someone can get that out of that flavor. The only one I have a really fucking hard time, like kind of hooking into and even then it's still like, I still understand it. European throat singing, but that's just because it's just people fucking screaming with their throat. And I'm like, I can hear that on screamo music, but I can get it. I mean, I see the passion in their eyes. Like I took a music appreciation class in college and I'm like, we got to watch a fucking orchestra. But then once you're watching it, I'm like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like this is so the violins, everything is so in sync. You're like, that's fucking hard ass work that they're doing. And then I'm like, where's the brother? Yeah, I'm like, where's the brother with the triangle? And then you just see a dude in the back, ding. I'm like, there he is. There he is. And my teacher's like, you're really getting a kick out of this. I'm like, this is fucking talent, man. Like, you got to break out of that comfort zone. I have, I have a movie recommendation for you. Based on your response just now, um, you may have already seen this film, may not have, but it's called Amadeus. Have you heard of it? No. So, um, one, it won eight Oscars. Like, it, it was... You know, it was one of those big movies when it came, it came out in 1984. Anyway, so I grew up in high school and I was in the band. And like how y'all had to watch Pearl Harbor every day, we watch Amadeus once a year. Like all of us in band like could like quote the goddamn film by now. It's about Mozart. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart is his full name. And it's about his, his story. It's one of those like, you know, biographical things. Um, not as – it's not as concrete as that. It's a little bit more to it. But – the music, like the opening scene, you're like, oh, I, I'm I, the buy-in's there. I'm hooked. You got me. I'm here for two hours. Let, let's go. And and so it's a great story, great performances. Um, you know, I didn't win all these Oscars for nothing, but also it's got fantastic music, like brilliant music. And you know, someone who like you who can like get over like oh it's not top 40 well fuck you i'm not listening to it you're not you're not that kind of person i feel that would be something that like you know if you have a rainy day i would i'd highly recommend looking up amadeus you'll probably get a kick out of it i freaking uh, remember singing outside of an outback when i was like 12 years old it's the fucking craziest place to have this story but fucking with that one song um wake me up before you i'm not gonna sing the yeah i'm not gonna sing the rest because youtube will be like hey let's not knock that shit off um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I remember singing that. And my dad's like, you know what that song is, right? And I'm like, what? He's like, it's it's like for, you know, gay people listen to that song. And I'm like, what? Like, what does that what does that mean? He, I'm like, it's catchy. He goes, I'm just saying, you know, you're going to sing it. People are going to look at you weird. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. I still sang it. I mean, it, it's a great it's a great fucking it was in Zoolander. I'm like, there you go. A lot of my fucking music also comes from movies I'm watching. I'm like, what's that? Awesome. That's why I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. It. I mean, my little nephew was listening to uh, Brandy, you know, by oh, fuck. I just listened to this song. I can't believe I'm forgetting who the created that. Oh, my God. Who who did it? Come on. Who is it? Through the Looking Glass. Looking Glass. Brandy. Oh, 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 oh. Brandy. 
Um, but then Deadpool 2, it's Deadpool 2. He loves Deadpool 2 too. So we're watching it together and he's listening to Dolly Parton now. I'm like, this is fucking amazing that now kids can get into the older generation of stuff. Cause I'm like, just understand the time period. Fucking, I love Johnny Cash too. I remember, I did not know this was going to go into music, but I remember driving with my grandma to Sam's Club or whatever to get her groceries. And I was listening to, because I was playing a lot of Fallout at the time. And I was listening to Frank Sinatra, Ink Spots. And then she just looks over to me. And she goes, oh my God. I was like, what? She goes, I swear to God, I was just riding in the car with my husband. And my grandpa's been dead for like 20 something years. So she goes, you remind me so much of him. And she started crying. And I was like, it's like that that thing though, like it might be something of the past. It might be something like people don't want to listen to it because it's old. Do yourself a favor and listen to it. Just give yourself a shot to understand it because you might find a new genre of music you like. I have so many people that go like, what do you listen to? I'm like, I'm listening to Johnny Cash. I'm listening to this, I'm listening to that. I'll rattle off a list. I'm like, I wouldn't picture that for a kid like that looks like you. I'm like, what? Because I'm in my 20s. You don't think I'm going to listen to something like uh fucking louis armstrong i'll listen to louis armstrong all day man and it's just that perspective thing once you can get into that realm and you can see where the older generation you can kind of relate to them a little bit it opens up doorways for stories to get let in where i strike up a conversation with the dude at a 7-eleven for 45 minutes about fucking old school music about being back in the day a berry cats whatever this whole entire concept of like don't eliminate that road give yourself the shot and the opportunity it might open up a door for you yeah, I um, God, it seems like a lifetime ago. I dated a girl, um, God, I must have been in high school, and she, uh, I was trying to get her to like listen to like I like Pink Floyd, and uh, Dark Side of the Moon. You know, like I love that record, and she stopped me before I could even like get the, the sentence, the question out. She's like, "I'm not interested." And I said, "Okay, well, why? What's the reason? Like, I'm not, I can't just say you're not interested for no reason." And she's like, "Oh, it's old." And grant in the context, she was. We were both maybe 15, 16 years old. So it's, we weren't as like fully formed. Um, and I kept thinking to myself, but good music is, is, I still believe this good music is timeless. Like, doesn't matter if it came out yesterday or 100 years ago, if it's fucking good, it's fucking good. Point blank and end of discussion. And so I, it really like, like, I can kind of feel what you're saying here. Like, it's like, give it a shot. Like, fuck, man. Like, what I wouldn't give. To put on Dark Side of the Moon again for the first time and have that experience of listening to it for the first time, you know, I, I'll never have that again. Um, and so it's, I get it. Music is subjective. Just because I like something doesn't mean you're going to like it and or respond to it and vice versa. I get that, but like again, I don't knock it till I try it. Yeah, um, it it, it kind of eliminates the factor when you hear someone say it's trash or something like that. It's like it's not trash. It's just not your. It's not your style. I mean, I, movies, for instance, like I didn't think I would be sitting at the when computers were first like in the house when you had one in the home, the giant fucking the, the computer. Yeah. yeah, the computer. Um, When I remember watching Back to the Future, I looked up Johnny B. Good and I wrote down every single word to remember the lyrics of it and everything like that. And I was like, fucking dad, did you hear about this song, Johnny B. Good? And he's like, yeah, fucking. It was big back in the day. And I'm like, where'd it go? And he's like, it just fucking fades out, man. It turns into different stuff. You know, you like listening to fucking whatever Black Eyed Peas were big at the time. He's like, you like listening to Black Eyed Peas? Well, that was like Black Eyed Peas for us. It was a whole another flavor of music and stuff like that. And the weird thing is being around it so much, like growing up with my parents, they never listened. My dad never listened to radio. 
not once. Like, just he was like, I get it all fucking day. And yeah, I was gonna the, say like he's probably just burnt. <laughs> when he gets he said home. The, the craziest thing to me, when we're driving. I'm like, why don't we ever listen to the radio? And he goes, because the world is making its own. And I'm like, good point. Because like listening to it with the windows down and stuff. And he was like, I hear it all day. I just last thing I want to do is listen to it when I get home. I don't want to turn on any music. And I'm like, but here's the funny part. When I was practicing drums in school, I'd be in the garage hitting the fucking drum set, like shittiest. I mean, I thought I was playing toy soldiers by Eminem. Didn't sound like that at all. Um, <laughs> it's terrible, but he, he'd be, he'd be home for three hours a day and he would take a nap in that three hours. And he would be like, I would be like, I, I won't play while you're home. He's like, no, it actually helps me go to sleep. And I'm like, all right, fucking hey man and it was like that thing like he would come in and be like hey if you actually do it like this and he would show me something then i would work on it and it'd be terrible for a while but it it was something where it was like i'm not gonna eliminate just because it might not be for me right now like i don't want to listen to it i'm not gonna eliminate you from discovering something and that ended up me getting into that heavily and getting into music a little bit and i eventually just faded off of it because i'm like this is fucking tasking as hell i just that's, that's your guy's shit yeah right 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 that's interesting. I um, yeah, I played guitar for a while. So my, you know, we're all talking about our influences growing up. My dad still is a huge uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. Hell yeah! So he grew up playing "The Sky Is Crying" and "Mary Had a Little Lamb" and and uh, um, uh, "Crossfire" and all these big Stevie Ray Vaughan hits for me. And then I, I got a guitar when I was a kid, and I started to play. And I actually was in a band for a while, like a like a garage band. We were fucking played metal and stuff, and. But yeah, I put it down and I haven't really picked it up since just because it's like my passion wasn't there for it. And I felt like if I if I really wanted to be good at guitar and make it a thing, then I would want to do it. And I just didn't want to do it. So, you know, that's okay. Like it's, you know, it was fun to like to tool around for a couple of years and just, you know, crank out some some riffs and like think I was really good. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though those avenues end up like stopping at a point, you never really truly fully get on them. I still think they're important to your experiences in life because like, dude, playing Grand Theft Auto, there's a song on Grand Theft Auto, uh, the fourth one with the uh, Nikolai, uh, where it's called Badder Than Them. Just Google that for me. Like that song, oh my God, whenever I hear that, like if I if I play it on my phone or something, I immediately want to just start running over people on the street. I know that's bad, but I get into that Grand Theft Auto motor, I'm like fucking woo, because it's just this rough, like you, I would never hear it anywhere else. I remember going to Hawaii, everything on the station in Hawaii is fucking reggae music. It's like, but it's something when I play it now, I can revert back to that memory of driving and seeing like a rainbow in the sky or something or seeing like you know i'm with my family in the car we get lost for four hours because my grandmom's like i'm not going to listen to the gps and then we end up discovering a fucking pineapple plantation and i remember certain songs off of that you know eating pineapple ice cream and sitting and listening to music with my family it's like fucking they solidify experiences into your head, much like a movie can do. I'm sure you have many movie experiences with your family members, your friends that you'll remember forever because, and it's part and parcel. People go like, you want movie theaters to open back up. Don't you think that's selfish? I'm like, movie theaters are open up on weekends now, at least down here, but it's not selfish to not want a business to close forever. But I understand the experiences of why people fight the fight of, I just want to be able to sit in a movie theater again. I'm like, I can get it. I, I, it might not be for me. I don't really care to go see movies. I'd rather I'll watch it on on demand. I don't care or Hulu, whatever the fuck. But 
I can see why, because the smell of popcorn in the air, that whole feeling you get when you do walk into a movie, it is stuff that brings nostalgia for a lot of people. Cause a lot of people, depending on your age, that was their go-to was movie night with their parents or go out with their friends every weekend and go see a certain film in theaters and stuff. And I have very few movie going experiences, at least with friends and stuff, but I have around nine fast and furious fucking tickets that are all stapled to my wall. Cause that's the one my buddy uh, goes to all the time. He pays. So I'm like, fuck it, let's do it. But, and Spider-Man too. I fucking hate Spider-Man. Oh my God. Like the, the, the character period or, or the film Tom or- Holland. Oh, what do you have against what's your what's your axe grind with Tom Holland? Because everyone says I look like Tom Holland, and oh, they say so. I look like it's because I'm wearing the hat, and there's a reason why I'm wearing it. <laughs> He's not a bad guy. I, like, I don't I don't have a problem with him. I mean, they call me. Oh, hold on. Let's see. Let's, let's see. well. They I had some dude say. Um, I actually had a he cropped up my face when I'm not wearing my hat, and it's the only time I'm using my phone for a podcast. So don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> But uh, he called me the working man's Tom Holland, and I'm like, I'll take that because that's a sign of respect to me. That's pretty funny. But here's the me without my hat. Uh, there he goes. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it there. I can see it there. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. But, but I, I, I like Tobey Maguire like that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you hear so many new movies coming out. Like, I know uh, the Schneider cut, everybody's fucking shitting their pants about. Dude, I, I saw the trailer see... yesterday. Is it different? Like, what, are they just adding more movie scenes to it? Yeah, so it's, well, the, the, the pare down explanation of that is, yes, they're adding more scenes. Everything in there looks like Zack Snyder jizzed on the wall and, and made, it, made, a, made a film out of it. I didn't like the original Justice League, and I only, there's only two films Zack Snyder's made that I actually enjoy anyway, so I'm taking with a grain of salt. Um, the big things that they've added that are va- uh, vastly different from that original cut of Justice League that we did get was they have Superman in the black suit, and there's a shot of, you know, if you remember from the Justice League, Batman had this whole, like, um, dream sequence. Yeah. Well, as a part of that with the Jokers in it. Um, that those are the big, big takeaways. Like the main villain, um, Dark Side. Well, Dark Side is is in the film now, and then the other villain, um, the one who was in the original film, I forget his name. He was so goddamn unforgettable or or forgettable. His his skin, like his armor's different. So, Jason. Wait, hold on. Jason Momoa? No, no, no. The guy who plays the villain. In ju- the Justice League film, uh, he was trying to find the mother boxes. I forget what his name was. Oh, Lex Luthor character? No, it was like a big yeah. guy with the horns and stuff. Um, God damn, I forget what its name is. What his name is, but uh, I just found <laughs> out that uh, the guy who plays in Deadpool two, the robot uh, Cage, whatever his name is, he's fucking Thanos. So, oh, you mean a uh, Cable? Yeah, Cable. Josh Brolin. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you're a fan of Justice League. Um, it, here's my, here's my thing. If, if you were kind of like so-so with Justice League, I don't expect this Snyder cut to win you over. I think it's just going to be a thing that's like, I think it was Warner Brothers like giving Snyder like that. All right, man, just here, just have your film back and add the crap you wanted to add. And then we're, we're going to call it a day. Um, what about Wonder Woman 84? Did you see that one? Yes. Good or bad? 
bad. What? Okay, I got to watch it because I didn't like the first one, but I feel like the second one I'm really going to like. The amount of people that have like said it was bad, I'm like, everyone says Green Lantern's bad. I got to give it a shot. So, you know, it's weird. He, you give me that. Uh, that's what everybody's answer is, is the hang on a minute. Well, here's the thing, because back to the, one, the Wonder Woman film, um, I wasn't really crazy about that film either. It, I'll say it like this. That Wonder Woman film that came out a couple years ago sucked the least of all the crap DC's put in putting out. Um, even Shazam didn't really like really do it for me. But yeah, Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, Justice League, Aquaman. Like, I was did you like, like Joker? So that's well, that's I did like Joker. That's separate from okay. this this canon that, of films. That goes back to what we're talking about about capturing the mental health thing, dude. A little bit, fucking- right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that was the best. I like Heath Ledger, obviously. My dad's my dad's favorite. But when I saw him sitting in that seat and he shot the guy in the head, and you just see him like get up, sit down, get up, sit down, and like have this like weird like inner turmoil in his head, I'm like, that's mental illness. Like, that's that's the perfect representation where people can get into that position of understanding what that's like to be like, what do I do? I feel out of place. And it's like, that was a good capture of that. I think of. I can think of like almost every scene in that movie with, with him in it. it was a perfect example of someone dealing with mental health. So I, I saw Joker in theaters. That's like one of the last few movies I did see before it all went to shit. And I watched it and I walked out I'm like, that was a brilliant film. He's going to win the Oscar for it. And he did. I, I fucking called it as soon as I walked out of that theater. Great writing. Great. I'd never want to fucking see that movie again. Yeah. Well, is that impactful? Yeah, that was, it was just it was just too much. Um, it like I I personally connected to a lot of stuff in that film. Um, in fact, because I I went back to, I'm going back to college now. Um, and I had to take this another psych class, and one of the assignments was like either watch like three or four movies and write about like whatever chapter we were talking about at for the week, and one of them was Joker. I'm like motherfucker. I got to watch this movie again. God damn it. So, so I sucked it up and I watched it again, but I mean, it's still good. It's just, it's like, um, there's a horror movie that came out last year called Midsummer that again, I thought was really good, but I, I just don't want to see it again. Like I, I can't do it. Um, not, not cause it's slow or it's boring or that kind of shit. I just think it's great, but it was just, it was too, it touched too close. So, you know, everyone responds to films differently. So, but uh, I've never had a movie where I've never wanted to watch it again. Maybe Bird Box, um, just because I just can't stand Sandra Bullock. Yeah, but, you, you, what's 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 up with that, man? Like, I, I'm like, what did she do to you? <laughs> she looks way too much like my mom. So when I see her face, uh, that's always in this like resting bitch face mode. I'm like, nope. It's just too much like childhood getting punished all the time. I don't like that type. And then Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld's the fucking worst. You think so? I never really watched a show growing up. The, Se- the yeah. Seinfeld, you know, I, a lot of my friends just like go gaga over his shit. I'm like, he's funny, my, but I'm not my like. My buddy does a full on podcast about Seinfeld. And I told him I'd never want to come on your show because I hate. I won't even watch. My buddy goes, I'm the biggest fan of Seinfeld. I love Jerry Seinfeld. He goes, you would love comedians and cars getting coffee. I said, I'll try it. And he goes, it's like your show. I'm like, all right, I'll try it. Fucking one minute in, as soon as Jerry starts talking, I'm out. 
Mount, I can't. I, I, the voice, it's too nasally. It's like if I want to hear Adam Sandler times two. I like, you know, I actually like that show too. Uh, means and cards getting coffee. You know, actually, I had thought about like, you know, when you're like, you're young, you fantasize about like stuff you will, projects you would work on. I thought about like, what if I just drove around and had like celebrities? We just bullshit for like all day. And then like James Gordon did that on his talk sh- on his night, night show. And then Jerry Seinfeld did it here. So I'm like, well, I mean, it's, it's a pretty good idea. So I can see why it took off. But um, no, for me, it's funny. The two actors I can't stand that people kind of just have, like, they just get all up in arms about at least um, Zach Galifianakis and Melissa McCarthy. I, oh, okay. I, I just can see cannot, it. You know, and they're funny in some movies. And they are, I'm not saying they're wholly reprehensible. I can't, you know, fuck them forever or anything like that. It's just... Something about them, it's is the same one note that they always deliver, and it's never been funny to me. It's this either Zach Galifianakis plays like this, oh, I'm too stupid, so I must be funny routine, or Melissa McCarthy plays this, um, she has like this either over-the-top craziness, or she does this thing where it's like, I can't really describe it. Like it's, she thinks she's funny by being like casual. Or being like, like she's being witty, but she's not being witty. She's being annoying. And it's <laughs> that was the weirdest Ugh. thing is that people actually lost like love for Melissa McCarthy when she lost a lot of weight. Like she now is kind of skinnier. People are like, and someone said that the uh, Kevin James, they were like, if you lose weight, you're going to lose roles. And it was like, what? And it was like a lot of his comedy, though, was based off of his size. Like he was always falling downstairs in King of Queens. He was always doing something like crazy that made it outrageous. Like if you get skinny, it's going to be like hard for people to laugh at that. And people are like, that's crazy. I'm like, but it does make sense because a lot of the time, like Zach Galifianakis's humor is because he's, you know, he's not the fittest, best looking person, but he creates that awkward tension. Like you ever see between two ferns. It's fucking awkward as hell, but it's like just funny to watch him put those people in those scenarios. Yeah, those like those little s- small bits on was it like the talk show, right? When he's talking to people between two firms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that stuff's funny. Like I don't have a problem with that. That's some of the Brad funniest. Pitt spits out that gum and he picks it up and puts it in his mouth. I haven't seen that one, no. But uh, oh my god, Brad Pitt's like that's my last piece of gum, and he just. Takes it back out, puts it back on the table. Brad Pitt picks it back up and puts it in his mouth. People think Brad Pitt's like this guy that, like, oh my God, he's not going to do anything. He does everything. He, if you, he was kidnapped in Jackass as a skit back in the day, and people think he's like this untouchable actor. I'm like, he'll fucking he rolls with shit. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. I like that. Yeah, I um, but yeah, like um, we were talking about Joker, mental health. We we've definitely like made some leaps and bounds. <laughs> Welcome to Out of the Blank Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Um, so um, I do got to get going pretty soon. Do you want to um, – anything more yeah, you want to yeah. touch on? Um, I do want to say you have an epic name for a podcast. Oh, thank you. Uh, first of all, that's everything that's usually included when you get popcorn at a movie theater, at least when the person makes it for you, just saying. Um, but uh, where can people find you at, man? And where um, I'll make sure I link it in the description as well. But uh, is there anything you want to say too about where uh, about your episodes, anything? So yeah, um, my podcast is on Spotify. It's on Apple um, and other all other podcast locations, more or less. If you know, it's out there. If you look for it, um, and 
Uh, right now, I, I have you can go find me on all the social media stuff at BSP Film Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the whole nine. Um, actually, just those three to be to be fair. I'm also on YouTube, um, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn, where I'm doing weekly videos uh, chronicling my um, my 2021 film challenge journey that I am on. And yeah, man, I'm just you know, every week I'm doing that on. I have some uh, upcoming episodes on my podcast where I'm talking about uh, some newer films. Uh, sometimes I'll do I'll do what we're doing, like a whole hour, hour plus discussion on the film with a guest, or I'll do like short 23 minute like solo audio essays, as I call them, about whatever. Um, so it just kind of just depends, and you know, I try to do a little bit of everything, you know. So it's gonna be about movies. That's that's the, that's the, the main thread. Is it'll be about film. And Evan Almighty, that's my suggestion. Evan Almighty, people don't like that one either. I didn't hate Evan Almighty. I really, actually, kind of enjoyed it. Um, Thank you. What about Big Lebowski? I love that movie. That's my all-time favorite. That movie's fantastic. Yeah, Big Lebowski is so quotable, so rewatchable. Um, I I can understand why people don't like it. Like, I get that. I get the lack of appeal for some people because it's it is kind of zany and kind of wacky, but like. A lot of my, a lot of my peer group, my friends, we we get it, we love it, we we flea's in it. I didn't even know. I was like, wait, that's flea, and he goes, I want Lincoln's berry pancakes. I, I will say that, um, um, I started drinking White Russians because of that film. Not all Same. the time, but uh, I'm like, well, what? The, that sounds tasty enough, and sure enough, they're not, they're not too bad. It's so. not. It's just fucking ice cream, basically, is what it is. That chocolate liqueur you got to put it into the Kahlua. It fucking makes it like a milkshake. It's like when you go to a bar or whatever, and it says like European mudslide. You're like, that sounds like a porn. It's like it's a really good drink, alcoholic beverage, and they come over and it's just fucking chocolate syrup drowned into it like a Starbucks frappuccino. Mm-hmm. I was um years ago. Um, I was in Jamaica at a resort. And like on the resort, it was like, where do you want? It's fucking right there, you know? And so I went, I just had like a crusade of mudslides. Oh my God. I just went on a, oh, it was like a, a warpath of mudslides. They were <laughs> so good. God, they're so tasty. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's, so that that was me. That's where I'm at. I'm, I'm all over the damn place. Just, you know, if anyone wants to connect, wants to talk, talk uh, wants to chat about whatever film, shoot me a message like, like what you did, you know, hit me up. You know, I'm not going to bite anybody. I'm pretty chill. And yeah, I will go from there. I'll make sure I link it all in the description. And thank you for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. And stay tuned for our next episode.